Genesis chapter 41. In Genesis chapter 41, we're going to see the third chapter where Joseph finds himself in jail, prison, or in my translation, in the pit. Although in chapter 41, he's not going to stay there long. Chapter 41 is a climactic chapter in the book of Genesis because you see the roller coaster ride that Joseph has been on, and now you're going to see the payoff. You're going to see that at the age of 30, Joseph is going to find that the world opens up to him because he did not give up on his God. It's really a powerful chapter. But as we deal with this subject, we're going to deal with dreamers. Specifically, we're going to deal with dreamers who need to be also doers. I know a lot of dreamers, and I know a lot of doers, but a lot, very rarely do those two qualities actually come together, dreamers and doers. We need to be that package deal for God, that we don't just think about what we could get done, but we also get after getting it done. But before we get there, as you know, <clears throat> we always provide these five questions so that you'll be able to follow along. And so there they are, screenshot that. You got them? This is going to be an interesting one. We'll see that here in just a moment. Joseph's wife. All right, you got them? Here we go. All right. The topic that we want to deal with is the dreamer does. The dreamer does. I want to take you back to chapter 37 by way of introduction of chapter 41. In chapter 37, you might recall, Joseph is sent off by his daddy to find his brothers. And he's done a lot of wandering, but he finally shows up. And his brothers hate him, and they're going to throw him in a well. And not unlike a pit, where we're going to see him in our chapter, at least at the opening. And uh, they are going to mistreat him, etc. But I want you to notice what they call him. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. That's how much they hated him. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. So evidently from early on, Joseph uh, was referred to as the dreamer. And you know the background of that because he had the dreams and uh, not only did his brothers not like the dreams that he was having, but his parents didn't like the dreams that he was having because in all the dreams, it prophetically references this idea that one day you're going to bow down to me, which they, of course, are going to do. But... Uh, in Genesis 37, by way of introduction, I just wanted you to see that his brothers, even before he's sold into slavery, his brothers are referring to him as the dreamer. So, the dreamer does, is the application that we want to make as to you and I and how we can become more than just folks who, who say, boy, it'd be good for the church to do that, or boy, it'd be good for me and my family to do that. Let's do it. Okay? The dreamer does. <coughs> All right. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the hack. Genesis 41, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. That's an interesting way of describing the prison scenario that he was in. It doesn't sound like it's a very attractive place, but he's been, he, spent, he spent years there. And they quickly brought him out of the pit, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, that you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, big response, very big response. It is not me. It's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. You know, I was thinking about Joseph and what he has been through. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's hated by his brothers. He's thrown into a well, shocked when pulled out of the well and sold to slate into slavery, arrives in Egypt, and 
seems like things are going good for a moment when he becomes all powerful somewhat, if you will, over Potiphar's house, and then the wife begins to flirt with him, and false accusations fly, and now he's back in the pit, back in, <clears throat> and he interprets the dreams for the for the guys, the butler and the baker, and he's thinking maybe that baker will mention to me to Pharaoh, excuse me, the butler will mention to me to Pharaoh, doesn't happen. You know, I, I'm not so sure about my faith. At that point, I'd been pretty discouraged. I mean, he was a young man. It sounds like he was about 17 whenever he was actually sold off into slavery. This young man, you know, at very tender age, tough age, as he's trying to find his way in life and all that kind of, and he's sold off into slavery? But he doesn't ever give up. And the thing I find is remarkable is that, okay, so here we are, we got a big moment. Joseph has the opportunity to prove himself, and in the process, say to Pharaoh, please pull me out of the pit. Don't let me live and stay there. But notice what Joseph does. He does not take glory for himself. When he could have. Instead, point number one, he honored the source of his doing. Remember, our theme is the dreamer does. So the dreamer is going to make sure that he honors the source of his accomplishments. He is going to honor God. It's not me. I can't do it. But my God can give you the answer, Pharaoh. Even after all the discouragement, all the pits that he has been in, Joseph still has the faith and the love for his God, then he makes sure that his God is placed first. So the first application to you and I is, with regards to the dreamer does, if we're going to accomplish, if we're going to do more than just dream, we need to honor the source of our doing. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter if you become president of the United States. Trust me, that is not going to happen unless there is some influence from God. That being said, when you understand that James will say that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, that means that everything that's good in your life comes about because of God, not luck, because of God. He is the source of your doing. Honor Him. The moment you get arrogant is the moment He's going to send you off to graze like a cow out in the pasture, just like He did with Nebuchadnezzar, remember? I'm praying that some of our political leaders will have a Nebuchadnezzar moment. If they could ever be humbled and recognize that they are where they are because of God, not because they're so good looking or they got so much money or they're so bright, it's because of God. If that could ever happen, imagine the power that that individual could have because God is the one giving them that power. Regardless of whether you ever go that far politically speaking, etc., the point is still this. Whatever you do in life, don't just dream it. Do it. And the first step to doing it is make sure that you honor the source of your doing. Number two, <clears throat> obeyed the source of his doing. So he doesn't just honor, but he obeys the source of his doing. Now let's see the passage. You'll notice that I've chopped it up here in order to get it on the screen. The doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the king is fixed by God, and God will surely bring it about. So he's beginning to interpret. He said, the doubling up that you got, that means God's about to do this thing. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land. That's Joseph's suggestion, no doubt planted in his heart by God himself. Does Joseph at this point know that he is setting himself up to be that guy? I don't know. Given the character of Joseph and how much you, you appreciate that he almost seems to be naive at times. Uh, but regardless of how that plays out, whether he knows it or not, that's going to be the case that he is going to be the very one who recommends himself. 
Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven years of plenty. Then verse, skipping down to verse 39, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. Uh, you shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. So, Joseph makes a suggestion. We need to get after it. Get after the the, the source. God is the one who's inspiring me to say this stuff. And so, Here's my thoughts. God's thoughts through me. You need to put somebody over this project. Pharaoh says, okay, you're the man. And that's going to make Joseph second in command over all of Egypt. The only thing that Pharaoh says here that he will be less greater than Pharaoh is as far as ruling is from the throne is concerned. So it says, verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of the Pharaoh, of Pharaoh king of Egypt. You read back, it sounds like he was 17 when he was, when he was sold off into slavery. Now he is, uh, he is 30. So, so what is that? 13 years have passed. Imagine the tumultuous. I mean, it was just up and down roller coaster. The beatings, no doubt. The uh, uh, the abuse that he took, etc. Living in a pit, you know, all of that stuff that has transpired. But he goes in. A, it sounds like in a single day, the process goes from him being taken from a pit to becoming second in command over. That's what God can do if you're not just a dreamer, you're a doer. And you honor the source of your of, of your doing, and you obey the source of your doing in allowing God to inspire you how to get things done, etc. Thirty years old, during the seven years of plenty, uh, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered all the food for seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, etc. And Joseph stored up the grain in the great in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until it, he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. So he got a lot of stuff. He probably, however, got a lot of feedback from the naysayers. You know those cynical people who always, you know, want to second guess everything that you do. Perhaps you have them online, where they comment on some of your posts or whatever. You know, every it doesn't matter what you put out there; they're going to second guess it. Think of Noah. Noah is told that he needs to build a big boat in the backyard when it sounds like it had never rained before on the earth, and people had to come by and laugh and say, "What? What are you doing, Noah?" <laughs> Well, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm building this boat because one of these days going to be a big flood's going to come along. And Really? And you know that he, he took abuse. You know that there was a lot of folks who laughed at that Noah, etc. You don't think the same type of thing happened to Joseph? I mean, think about this last verse here, verse 49. Joseph isn't just storing up for the potential of a famine. He got so much he can't even measure it. You don't think that some folks come along and say, Joseph, you think you got enough? <laughs> don't you think you need to back off, Joseph? You know, we, we heard you, but... Right now, things looking pretty good. I don't see any famine on the horizon here. And you know he had those cynics. But Joseph stays with God. He obeyed the source of his doing. He stays with God. And not only is that going to pay off, it's going to pay off in a big way for Egypt. You know the story. Most importantly, it's going to preserve the lineage of Jesus Christ by bringing the folks down to Egypt where they're going to survive during the famine big deal because Joseph obeyed the source of his doing. Then number three, same as number one, he honors the source of his doing. Honor God, get after doing what God tells you to do, and honor God. Number three, uh, two sons were born to Joseph. 
Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bore them to him. I just wanted to pause for a second and notice this Asenath person. Um, the daughter of the of Prophetera, uh, the priest of On. No, the priest of On, no doubt, is, is, is a priest that is uh, promoting, preaching false gods. Uh, this is Egypt, of course. And you know what's going to happen many years later when Moses comes back down there. and He's going to basically humiliate all the gods of, of, of Egypt by showing what the one God, the true God, can do. But it's interesting how the God continues to work even in this situation. And the reason I set you up with that is I want you to notice who's the mom. Asenath is the mom. She is the daughter of a false priest. Okay? Somebody who doesn't even probably acknowledge Jehovah God. She's going to be the wife of Joseph, who's going to give him two sons. And these two sons, Joseph's going to call the name of the firstborn Manasseh. And here's what the reason he names him Manasseh is because God has made me forget all my hardship and all my, uh, and all my father's house. So he has put behind me all the ups and downs that I have experienced since I was 17, sold off into slavery by my own family. He's allowed me to put those behind me. I've had closure on that whole era of my life. But notice who he's crediting with giving him closure. In spite of the fact that mom is the daughter of a false priest, Joseph is still acknowledging his God. That's huge. But it doesn't just happen with his first son. The name of the second was Ephraim. And the reason he named him Ephraim is, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Who did? God did. That's huge. That's very, very... He honored God back when he was pulled from the pit, and he says to Pharaoh, when he could have taken all the glory, I can't do it, but my God can. He honors God. Then God inspires him as to how he could save Egypt, and he gets after it. He doesn't just dream. He does. And then, number three, he returns to number one, and he honors God at the conclusion of the thing as well. And he says, God is the reason that I have been able to put behind me all the bad stuff that happened from my father's house. And God is the reason that he made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So even at the conclusion of this chapter, we find that Joseph, in spite of all that he's done, or hurt, and all that he has been done to him, he's still honoring God. So, you want to be a dreamer who does? Not somebody who just sits around thinking about what could be accomplished, but actually gets after it. Not just somebody who thinks that they're righteous because they attend services a few times a week, sitting in pews, facing the back of the head of the fellow in front of you, but rather somebody who actually gets after the business of God. You want, to, you want that? Well, honor him. Recognize that it's only because of God that you can do anything. He's going to inspire you with ideas. So you can be a dreamer. But then get after what he's inspired you to do. Put full faith in it. Get after those. Even when folks walk away from you, even with the cynics of traditional religiosity, when they oppose you, you get after it, and God will bless you. And eventually you turn the corner, and great things will happen in your ministry. And then don't forget to honor him who started the whole process. So very, very important. So here are your three points. He honored the source of his doing. He obeyed the source of his doing, and he honored the source of his doing. God wants dreamers who are doers. 
I don't know why I got a comma there. Forgive me. The dreamer does. God wants dreamers who are doers. Dream it. Do it. Because God deserves it. Here are the five questions we talked about. I told you when we got to that one, it'd be interesting. Screenshot those. Got them? 